Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you God, um, lot, a lot going on, a lot going on. How many of you are excited for the summer? All right, all right, good, good, good. How many of you are not excited for the summer? Is there anyone that's not excited for the summer? Is that a thing? Well, Betsy, I can see why. Yeah, I can see why. Betsy doesn't count. Um, yeah, yeah, we're excited for the summer. Um, at least for us, the kids are home already. They're outside of school, and it's been fun. It's been fun. It's been interesting, <laughs> but it's been fun. Um, just hanging out with the kids and, and uh, being able to play some basketball with my son and, and play some other stuff with my daughter and just have a good time, right? Uh, you, know, you know it is when you have a daughter, you got to play with her dolls and stuff like that, but, but she's good with that. Amen. I'm excited uh, for today. Um, every first Sunday of the month, if you've been here, you'll see that we're doing something um, specific, something special. We showed the VBS video, uh, so we, we didn't show the other video today. Uh, maybe at the end or something we might, uh, but we do what's called Code Sunday. And what I want to do is I want to share what some of our codes are. You might say, well, what in the world is a code? Um, it's like any other organization or churches have this. It's the values of the church. It's, it's some of key foundational things that we believe in or that we are founded upon. And obviously, that's why we have this big banner up here with all our codes listed. Um, the codes are like in our language. They, they're in our terms, but they all mean something. Like the first one, it's we believe the hype, but it's about our faith. And obviously, if we're going to start with any kind of values, it's our faith. And our faith in the Lord, right? Our faith in His Word. We believe in, in Christ and we believe in His Word. And that's what we believe the hype. We've already gone over that one. Um, last month we spoke about we're not normal, which is, I said, one of my favorite ones. We took two weeks because we stretched it into Mother's Day. And, and basically that's about the call of being remarkable. And that is a life that is uh, transformed. Um, there's a transformation and we believe in that. We believe that through our faith, there comes a transformation. There comes a change that happens. There is no way that someone comes to Christ and they stay the same. You know this whole thing about, hey, Jesus loves you just the way you are. That's halfway true, okay? But he loves you so much that he will not keep you just the way you are. And uh, we have to be very careful with that slogan. It's Jesus loves you just the way you are, yes, but he also loves you that he wants to transform you into his image. How many of you could say amen to that? Okay, and that's our, that's our second value. We believe that here, that there is transformation. And that transformation is not normal for the unbeliever. And even for us believers, it's, it's a call to be remarkable in that transformation. And then the third one is we get to give. There's many ways that we could give, and that's today's code. And that's what I want to focus on today because maybe you haven't been here for a while. Maybe you're here for the first time. Or maybe you're here like, why are you going through the values of our church? Because it's important to do this often. It's important to do this every once in a while, whether it's through discipleship or even up here on the pulpit. And we felt like this year it would be cool to start every single month um, at least seven months straight with our codes. So we get to give. You could give in so many different ways. Obviously, 
Um, maybe you're here for the first time or for a long time haven't been here. And like, oh my goodness, the Sunday I come, I always said if I go to church and they talk to me about money, I'll never go to that church again. Sorry, God knew your heart and that's why you came today because today we're going to talk about a little bit about money, okay? But it's not just about money. When you give, you don't just give money. You also give with your life. You give from your talents and your skill. You give from the gift that God's given you. And I believe that every single person here has something to give to God and to the people of God. And that has nothing to do right now with money. That has to do with you looking within yourself and say, what can I give of myself to bless that brother next to me, that sister behind me, to bless the kingdom of heaven, and to make this church the most effective church that it can be. I have a gift at this church. I haven't seen it anywhere. Maybe I should meet with pastor and say, hey, I have this vision. I have this gift. I have this ability. Just pray about it. And if you ever need me, I'm here. You would be amazed that I might say, I've been praying for you. So this is a lot about what, what it means to we get to give. The little sub um, code or quote behind, under this is give, give, because you have and you serve because you can. Every single one of you is able to serve here. Yes? Every single one of you. You serve because you can and we give and we give because we have. So I, I want to spend uh, this rest of the morning before it hits afternoon. I want to spend it with you sharing our third code. Our third code. We get to give. And be blessed by it. Hear it. Allow the Lord to, to, to speak to you and open up your heart and, 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 and allow, allow it to move. Would you like to see the video? Would you like to see the video just to pump you up a little bit? Would you? Okay, so this is what we're going to do. Ready? We're going to play the video. And after the video, we're going to get right into the word of God. All right? Look at the person next to you. Maybe shake them a little bit and say, we get to give. Hey, as we play the video, have you noticed something that I'm saying? I'm not saying that you have to give. I'm not saying you have to give. Because having is forcing you. What I'm saying is you get to do this. We get to wake up in the morning and be here and worship together. We get to give. So uh, be blessed by this video. And then we're going to get right into our third code. Amen. Enjoy it. T-minus one minute and counting. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. We believe the hype. We are not normal. We get to give. We set the stage. We leave the nest. We make war. You are love. It goes in theme with our VBS this year, all right? We get to give, and you're going to see this video about four more times this year. 
as we hit up the rest of our codes throughout the year. Give because you have and you serve because you can. Like I said, there are so many ways that you could give, so many ways that you can serve and that are always needed in your community and you're right there in your neighborhood. The very people that you do life with, that you serve with, that you, I mean, think about the people that are in need. I think about my child, right? Yesterday we got to hang out with um, some of the parents and, and he had a picnic for his basketball team. As you look around, I'm sure that some of these parents, some of these families are in great need, yes? Our neighbors are in great need. Our church, there is great need. There is need all around our communities, every space that we occupy. And I believe this with all of me, that it starts. It starts with our attitudes. You know, I could give and I could serve the Lord, but if I have a bad attitude, my service unto the Lord is no good. My service unto my brother or unto my sister with a bad attitude is no good. So I believe with all of me that it starts with my attitude. And, and listen to this, <clears throat> and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in me. Will you allow the Holy Spirit to work in you so that you could be a better giver, a better giver of yourself? That's the only way that you could do it. Because if he's not working in me, again, I'll make it personal because because I have to speak to myself as well. If he is not working in me, the Holy Spirit not working in me, it will never work through me and it will not be genuinely. Everything that I will do for the Lord or for others will always be forcefully. And that is when we start to walk in religious attitude rather than an intimate relationship with Jesus. And I would hate to be that person. I've seen myself dabble and get to that place, and I could get there very quickly. And you have to, we have to allow the Lord to break us and humble us to bring us back to that place where he wants us. And that's what we want. We, want, we would love to see that every single... I mean, can you imagine Sundays that every Sunday one of you has something to say, has a testimony to share Every single one of you, because of something that, that God is doing in you, because of something that God is going through, I, I, I can't, I pray for Sundays like that, where it's like, whoa, that all of you are not just waiting for like one voice to be heard, but that everyone can do something in the way you serve here at our nest and in the way you serve people around you. If that were true, I want you to think about all the needs that would be met. Every single one of you has a gift. Actually, Scripture says even faith, a measure of faith has been given to every single one of us. And if we were to put that faith into practice and into action, can you imagine the needs of this church and how, would they, how they would be met? Some of you guys are praying for something maybe within this church, and you're like, hopefully the pastor will get the vision and will get the understanding that that's what we need. And the whole time, you may be holding that gift inside of you, and we're just waiting for you to open up that door so that you could be a gift in this family. Huh? Am I roughing any feathers there? I hope I'm awakening some of you. I hope, hope you get to see that this is what this code means. That this is what the code means. That everyone can do something so that every need can be met. That we would be a family. That we would be a gathering that fills voids. That aids the broken. That loves the hurt. Filling every gap that needs to be filled. That we would recognize and be humbled. That yes, we get to give. And this is not something that I have to do. But I get to do. I get to give. We all get to give. I want to read a scripture as Paul writes to the church of Corinth. It's a scripture that we've um, shared here because we've actually been speaking. If you've noticed, we've been speaking a lot about service. 
last week as it was Memorial Weekend, we spoke about service and we, we spoke a little bit about those um, in our service that have died for our nation and died for our freedom and then we kind of related that to our service unto the Lord. And so some of these scriptures and some of these thoughts, you're going you're gonna to be like, wait, I've heard this and, you're gonna, and we're going to be like, yes, because we've been speaking about this for the last few weeks. So you've heard some of this stuff. So we're going to repeat some of these things. And I think that's good because that's going to bring growth and a uh, reminder to us. Well, Paul writes this. He writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He writes to the church of Corinth. And he's going to write to the body of believers. Just like here, we have a body of believers. And he's going to write to the body of believers that, hey, this is what it is. There's a bunch of you. But there's diversity and all kinds of things amongst you guys. Let's read through this and let's let the scripture do what the scripture does. We'll read verses 4, 5, and 6. Then I'm going to jump around and then we'll finish it off eventually in verse 25. Here is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 starting in verse 4. Paul writes this. There are diversities of gifts. You see that? Everyone in here is not meant to have the same gift. You've heard me say this many times up here. If there's one gift that I wish I had, I wish I could sing. I would sing my sermons. I would sing them to you. Because I, I, I love music and I love to sing, but I know that I'm not good at singing. But I would love to sing. But it's not my gift. So what do I do? I have to leave that for the people that it is their gift. Um, one of my, one, you've heard me share as well one time when I was painting with my father. My father has a gift to paint. You might be like, you fool, it doesn't take much to paint. Well, let me tell you about this fool. One time I was painting with my father, and he looks at me, and he says, Son, do me a favor. Stop painting. You're making it harder. I'm going to have to do double the work and go over your work. Just pass me the brushes and pass me the paint as I ask you to do. It wasn't my gift. So I had to listen to the, 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 the grand master painter. Every single one of us has a, has a gift. A gift to give. And that's what Paul is saying. There are diversities of gifts. But I love this. In the church, in believers, it's this. Ready? Though we have diversity of gifts, it's all the same spirit that is working it out. It's not like, oh, different gifts because there's different gods and different spirits. No, it's all for the main cause. In verse 5, he says, there are differences of ministries, but there's the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities. But it is the same God who works it all in all, all in all. Some people are against churches having activities. And no, it's good. It's good to have activities. It builds up community. And if you go to a church down the street, you'll recognize that that church is different than that church. That's different than from our church. Because there's different ministries. There's different ways. There's different giftings. There's different preaching styles. There's different ways of worship. There's different ways of setting up the church. There's, there's all different kinds of things, but it's all the same spirit and the same Lord. In verse 6, it says, and the same God who works all in all. Amen. And then in verse 12, Paul says this, for as the body is one and has many members, pretty cool to see that, right? One body with many members. The Lord being so wise through Paul, he gives us a picture so that we could see how the body of Christ works. Like our human body. We are one body, but in our one body, we're not made up of one eyeball. We have hands and fingers and nose and eyes and lips and ears and toes and feet and knees. And you see what I'm saying? Arms and legs. 
All of these members make up one body. And that's kind of like what the body of Jesus Christ is. He says, for we are the body and we are one. We have many members. But look what he says in verse 12. All the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Verse 14, he says this. He says, the body is not one member, but many. How many, how many bodies are there in the body of Christ? How many bodies are there? There's one body. How many body? It's one body. It's the body of Christ. Now, how many members are in that body? Many members. I tricked you. It was a trick question. There are many members in this one body. And that's what scripture is teaching us. Let's go ahead and just read and see how this plays out. It's very interesting how the body communicates with one another. Listen to this. Verses 15 on. I'll read it quickly. Try to follow along with me. It says, if the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would it hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Verse 18, our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange. Everyone say strange. If you break down that word strange, it actually means unhealthy. Not just strange, but how unhealthy how unhealthy, how strange a body would be if it had only one part. Can you imagine that? Just one walking hand. That would be weird. <laughs> Just, it wouldn't make sense. How strange and unhealthy is more, the better said. It's, it's unhealthy. Verse 20, yes, yes, there are many parts, but there's one body. The eye can never say to the hands, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. It's kind of like that, that thumb on your foot, you know? Like, ah, I got four more on that foot. I could cut that one thumb off. Well, if you cut that fat toe off, you'll see how important that toe is to your balance. You'll see how important that toe is to your stance, how you walk. Every single member is important. And that's what Paul is writing here. Every single one is important. You should say this right now. Say, I'm important. You're important to the work of the Lord. You're important in the body of Christ. If you've ever gone to a church and they did not make you feel important, that's a lie. You're important with your gift, what you can offer, who you are. You're important. Verse 23, and we'll end on 25 for a moment. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with greater care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. Another way you could say this is so that all the members can serve and give, give to one another. 
So I, you read this passage as Paul writes this, and I get what it's, what's, what's being said here. I, get what's being, I know what's being drawn out. I know he's speaking and focusing on unity, on being united. But it's obvious to see that Paul is writing to the church, to a bunch of Christians, believers. And he's making them aware that every single one of them, or in his language, in 1 Corinthians 12, that every part plays a special role in that body. I'm here speaking to you today in English. And that's a special part today. I'm sharing the word of God today, and that's a special part of our body. But do you know that as I do this, there's someone also in the back, you could hear her, and she is translating everything into Spanish so that a Spanish speaker could hear it. You're gonna mean, you mean to tell me that she or he, whoever's back there on that day, is translating the word of God is not just as important. They're just as important. Because they're transmitting the, the word of God out so that others could hear it. I want you to think about how important the body is for a moment. I come in and I get ready to preach and guess what I do? I drop off my kids in one of those rooms. Stay here. Don't move. And then I look at their teacher. Good luck. And it's a lot of pressure when they're the pastor's kids, you know. They're supposed to be good. Well, sometimes they're really not. Most of the times they are. But did you know something? There's people back there that are not sitting in your chair, and they're not hearing the word of God today, and they're not in worship today because they've decided, I'm going to serve God this Sunday by serving our kids. You're going to tell me that they're not just as important to this body? How many of you would say they're important? They're important. How many of you brought your Bible today? Don't raise your hand. But for the ones that don't bring their Bible to church, we love you. Come back. But thank God for these men back there that are serving and they copy and paste and type and deal with my crazy notes and say, I'm going to prepare it so that they could have the verses on the screen because we know that not everyone will bring their Bible on a Sunday, which is very strange. If there's one day you should bring your Bible, is on church on Sunday. Amen. All the Bible bringers say. That was, your, that was for you, Bible bringers. But what do they do? They put the verses, and you read them on the screen. The person that created that video, the person that works our Instagram page, our, our Facebook page, our, the person that, I mean, every single one of you is very important to this church. How many of you could say amen? amen. Can I ask one of you? A very serious and loving question. What can you give to the body of Christ that you have not given yet so you could join these many members that make up the body of Christ in serving? Hallelujah. 
And that's what Paul is saying. That's what he's saying. Guys, I forgot. I'm supposed to talk about money today. Okay, I'll get there. It's that when I mentioned that, I got a couple bad eyes. So I said, let me talk a little bit about the body of Christ first. We get to give. We get to give. Each member. Think about that. How is the Lord moving me to give? A great way that churches could be even greater. Communities, gatherings of churches is by each member that they call their house, their church home, family, that each member, not just here at Nest, but even outside of Nest, would ask themselves, how can I serve? How can I give? Is God calling me to fill a void that maybe this church has? And that's beautiful when the church all over, people are saying that. How can I serve in this church? It's a beautiful way to give. Each member individually giving and serving can be the difference in making a good church a great church. Amen? We're one body, many members, filling empty spaces. All right, let's talk about this. Let's talk about giving because what we have is because of our faithfulness, but more important, it's because of our obedience. So why do you give? Because I'm faithful. Yeah, but you're obedient. You're called to live obedient, in obedience. And I want to talk a little bit about even giving when it comes from our skills, from our talents, or from the anointing or gift that God's given us. Amen. And we would love to have that conversation with you. But there's also an obedience give that we get to give. And giving even when it deals in biblical terms, when it comes to our tithing and offerings and all these things. It's biblical. It's all over the Bible. Jesus actually speaks a lot about money. So if you're a Christian, you're a believer, you have faith of any kind in the scripture, in the Lord, you have to know that Jesus spoke about money. Tithing, when we speak of tithes, and a little while ago Alex was up here and he prayed over the tithes and offering. I've had people that have come to church that are from a church that's maybe, uh, maybe we're a little bit more modern and they say, how come you don't pass the bucket around? You should really do that. And you know what? I don't disagree with them. So what we do is we have a black box. Maybe we should paint it. Not, maybe it shouldn't be called the black box anymore. Maybe that's negative because everyone thinks like the black hole, everything just gets, you know, I don't know. Maybe we should call it something else. The, maybe we should put glitter on it and say the glorious glittery box in the back, the gold box. I don't know. You guys know what I mean. Or maybe we give through our app. Because we go modern with the times. But I want to talk to you a little bit about what Alex Rizzo did. Because you were here and you're like, dude, I just came. I'm not going to give anything today. And he prayed over your tithes and he prayed over an offering. And he said, Lord, thank you for those that give faithfully. Thank you for those that maybe give for the first time. And those for the, that are supporting, those that are feel like this is their act of worship. We thank you, so on and so forth. Well, let's talk real quick about tithing. When it comes to giving our tithes, it dates back to the Old Testament. All the way to the Old Testament. Hebrews chapter 7 tells us that Abraham, if you've ever heard of Abraham, maybe you were a kid and you sang the song, Father Abraham, right? I know you want to sing it so bad. And you're like, what? Right foot, left, right hand. Yeah, I know. It just does that to you. But scripture shows us that Abraham gives a tenth, a tenth of everything. And that's where we get that tithe from. And, 
And you know, I, I start to think about the New Testament. I've shared this here before, and, you're, and, and I get it because I've been there. And like, well, you know what? In the New Testament, it never says how much you should give. And my answer to you is always, you're right. It doesn't. Do you know why it doesn't? Do you know why the New Testament, Jesus doesn't spend time or the apostles don't spend time in telling you how much you should give? Because in the New Testament, the Lord, he doesn't drill it. He doesn't drill his followers or the listener in tithing because in Judaism, this was already the custom. It was already the custom to give. So everyone knew to give giving and, and, and it comes all the way back from Abraham and giving a tenth was normal. And Jesus and the rabbis, they didn't have to go through this because Judaism was deeply rooted in this. It was part of their living. He didn't need to make it a priority to teach on tithing. But what he does is he teaches them of the error behind their motives, the error behind their attitudes in their tithes and in their offering. And that's what's beautiful. I'll share with you an example. In Mark chapter 12, I'll read a few verses for you. Um, look at Jesus' words. It says, Jesus sat down near the, tax, um, near the collection box in the temple. So next to the black box. <laughs> That's where Jesus sat. He sat next to the black box. And he watched. He he watched, can you imagine if I sat back there and just watched this? Let me, okay. I know, I know. I, I, would, you, I would be that pastor that you would speak about. I get it. All right, here we go. He watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts of money in that black box. Jesus, this, this, this is what's happening in Jesus' day. But then a poor widow comes and she drops in two small coins. Imagine dropping like, it was less than this, but it was less than 50 cents. But imagine going back there and say, Lord, here's my tithe. And you drop 50 cents in there. 50 cents. 50 cents. You could probably walk around the church long enough and you'll find 50 cents on the floor. 50 cents. Let's just say it was that much, but it was much less than that. A penny's worth or whatnot. It says, so Jesus calls his disciples, and he says, this is a great teachable moment. And look what he tells his disciples. He says, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who had made contributions, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. What Jesus is saying is she gave her all. She gave her whole livelihood. I'm not telling you to do that today. That's something that the Holy Spirit moved this woman to do. But I want you to see what the, what the Lord is teaching his listeners. I, I want you to see what he's teaching us still today and what he was teaching his disciples. I see that the majority of people... As you read this scripture that struggle with giving, whether it's a tithe, and we said, okay, a tenth, and, and that's Old Testament. So if the New Testament is greater, is even, I mean, we could have debates and go back and forth on whether you should tithe a tenth, a fifth, a one percent, or if it should be greater than a tenth because we're living in greater times. I mean, I don't know. We could, we could fight about that all you want. The point is, do you, do you give as an act of worship with a pure heart? 
So, so I get this, that, that the majority of people that struggle with giving, whether it's a tithe or an offering, it's not necessarily because they don't have. But what Jesus is teaching is it's because there's a problem with their heart. Most people that complain about, oh, well, I will never give to the church. It's not because they don't have it. I will never give to the kingdom. of It's because there's something here. They had a bad experience somewhere else. They saw something they shouldn't have. They got the wrong understanding behind it. And it's a heart. It may be that we struggle not because it's a money problem, but it's a heart problem. And with that heart problem may come a bad attitude. You've ever had a bad attitude because you've had a polluted heart? You've ever had wrong motives because you've had a polluted heart? With the heart problems comes bad attitudes, wrong motives, wrong examples that are lived out. But we, we make our heart right with this issue. Billy Graham says this, and you've heard me, you've heard, every time I do this, but you've heard me, I love this quote by Billy Graham. He says this, if a person gets his attitude towards money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area in his life. You know how many people spend on the craziest of things, but they won't spend for the things of heaven, for the things that impact the kingdom. I love in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, when Paul speaks about the farmer planting, he says this in verses 6, 7, and 8. He says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds, a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Love that. Love that scripture. I love that in our church. And I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to boast about our church for a moment. I don't normally do that, but I will boast today. I love that in our church, we don't have to stop three different times to collect the offering three different times. We'll never be that church. We'll never force anyone to give. We never... If you look closely at our church and our leadership is very transparent, they'll tell you. And there's people in our church that we've been able to bless them. Bless them financially, bless them with something, bless them with some sort of gift card. And, it's, and the reason why we're able to bless some of these families or some of these individuals with financial stuff or some sort of gift card or whatever, it is because of the giving of the people of the church. Your giving has also blessed the giving of the church to those in need. And I thank God that our church has done that. I thank God that our church also gives to other organizations, other ministries, and other people that do the work of the Lord. We also do that. We give to things like Love Life to help them. We tithe even as a church. We tithe um, uh, to another church. I mean, just, just we believe in giving as a church. So I want you to know the heart of our church because sometimes you may hear a preacher or a pastor talk about giving and then you never know. Wait a minute. We, even a church our size, is a church that also gives. We give to our members and we give to those that are not even part of this fold but are yet connected to us. We still, and we still help and bless and give according to what we have. We give to them. And for me, it's an honor that we have never ceased in doing that. It has never been an excuse. We've never, not once, one month, 
throughout our, our years of ministry, say, hey, this, this month, let's cut our hand short and let's not give. But faithfully, with whatever has come in, we've always given as a church. I'm just letting you know that that's what our church has done. I'm sorry that I don't have the numbers to say, hey, this month we gave 2000 I, I, I don't have them on the top of my head. But it's a beautiful thing that we've been able to do that. It's a beautiful thing. And I say that publicly because our leaders here will hold that accountable and say, I can't believe that you said that on a Sunday, and that's not true. So it's funny because as I'm preaching, I have many of them going like this because they know our finances and they know that that's what's happening. What an honor that our church does that. And I want you to recognize that that's what this is saying. Think about what Paul is saying here. You must decide in your heart. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. That wouldn't be good. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. It's a heart that is cheerful. It's a worship unto the Lord. And it says, and God will generously provide all you need. And you'll always have everything you need. Plenty left over to share with others. I love what he says here. He says, number one, he says, decide in your heart. Why would Paul mention the word heart here? Because if you know anything about your heart, my heart can easily shift to its evil, self-seeking desires. Yes? Mine can. So how can we decide on any, any, any godly giving and serving, because we're talking about serving as well, if my heart's intentions are not pure? If I'm going to serve God, if I'm going to serve you, or if I'm going to give to the things of God, then is my heart pure before I do that? We can't decide to give if our hearts are not right. Number two, don't give with pressure, response to pressure. Don't give reluctantly. I believe that without the Holy Spirit dealing in our heart, then we fall into that religious giving, traditional giving, and it's no longer a worship to us. Don't give in response to pressure. I saw them give, so I gave. That guy said I should give, so I gave. Don't do that. Just because we say there's a black box or get on an app and give, don't just do it to do it. Let it be worship from your heart. Because I started off today by saying we don't have to do this. But we learn in Scripture the honor of saying we get to do this. We get to give. And I say that because God sees the pure motives, he sees the proper attitudes, and God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Amen. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll get out of this now in a moment. We get to give. The basic question, love this quote, don't know who wrote it, but I'll share it with you. The basic question is not how much of money we should give to God, but how much of God's money we should keep for ourselves. And that's such a good statement to remember always. How many of you know you work where you work because God's blessed you with that ability? I work where I work because God's blessed me with that ability. And if God's blessed me with that, I know that every paycheck that I get at my job, I know every paycheck that I get, it's for his glory. It's all his because he could remove that from me. He could remove it all from me instantly, easily, if he really wanted to. So how much of God's money should I really keep for myself? In Proverbs 11, 24 and 25 says, There is one who scatters yet increases more, and there's one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Even the wise proverb says this, The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. There's a blessing in giving, church. We believe in giving in our church. 
It's very easy to come up here and preach to you about the resurrection. It's very easy to come up here and preach to you about... But we also believe in giving. Amen? We also believe in giving. My family, our family, this church, we all get to give. I want to kind of finish where we started. And where I would like to finish off is... It's because we get to give, and you give because you have, and you serve because you can. So remember where I started about the body with many members? Here's my last point for today. Not only do we all get to give, but here's my next point. We all get to serve. What's the motive behind your service? You already got the giving part. You understand that God's called you to give. You understand you're supposed to have a pure heart in your giving. And hopefully you have not given. You will start giving and all that. But now I want to talk about your service unto the Lord. Whether it is financial giving, monetary, or just your talents unto the Lord. What is the attitude behind your service? The attitude in your service. I'm going to read a scripture. And I'll tell you what, after I'm done reading the scripture, the worship team could start getting cozy up here. Here it is, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. It says, watch out. We've read this scripture here before because we've been talking about service. So I'm going to repeat it to you. I'm going to read it again. He says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth that they have received all the reward that they will ever get. When you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. It's a beautiful reminder whether you give from your monetary have or whether you give from the gift that God has given you. You do it for one purpose, not so that others can boast in you and in your giving. But you do it in secret knowing that your reward is in a quiet place. The New King James says it this way, that your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Verse 1 of Matthew 6, it reveals wrongful service. The motive and the attitude are both wrong. And that's what Matthew 6.1 is saying. It's to be admired by others. It's to be seen by others. It's public acts of obedience. Are they valuable and honorable? But if they are done for the sake of public recognition is what is being said here. There is no reward from God. It's not for the glory of God. So check this out. Whatever God's called you to, do it for the glory of the Lord. We've shared that here. It's not for the recognition. Not one time will I ever come up here, do I do what I do up here on Sunday so that you could tell me, oh my goodness, you are so this. Because what am I going to do with that praise? I can't do anything with it. But give it right back to the feet of Jesus. It's all for the sharpening and for the growth of the church. And it's all for the glory of God. What you have inside of you to give to the Lord. Amen? Verse 2, it says they've received all the reward. I'm going fast in this because we've gone over this already. They've received all the reward they will ever get. When we serve the Lord, when we serve each other, I know that, man, it's good to be recognized. It's good to be honored just a bit. Who does not like that? But I ask you a great question. 
How does your service and how does your giving remain pure? And the answer to that, as we get ready to wrap this up, is my giving and my service, you should write this down, remains pure to answer your question. Here it is. It's when we do what we do, not to be recognized and not to be rewarded on earth. It's all for the greater good. It's for the glory of God. Verse 2 tells us that the reward ends right there if it's for that. If it's for the earth's recognition, that's where the reward is. It stays right there on earth. So I would ask all the church today, as we get into our last value and as we wrap this up and we put the bow on top of it, I might share one or two more little scriptures and that's it. But listen, here it is. Here it is. Check your attitude. Check your motives. Check your heart behind all that you do and all that you give. Amen? I want our works on earth not to fall void. I would want my works not to fall void, filled with earthly recognition, with no eternal purpose, with no eternal rewards. That would be foolish of me. Can you imagine living to old age, and when you go and you see God face to face, you're like, oh my God, what did I live for on earth? And everything here on this earth was a waste. That is, should be your greatest fear. That when you come before God, he could look at you and say, well done. You've done well. You served well. You gave well. Your heart was right. Your motive was right. Your attitude was right. And here in eternity, we recognize you. Enter. What a beautiful day that would be, huh? I want that. I want it to have power. You're giving. You're giving. Your service. We want it to have power to reach eternity. And that's beyond any of our ability. That belongs to the Lord to do. Will I just be obedient to do it? He's in charge of eternity. All I can do is make a name for myself here. That's all I can do. But Christ is who gives me a name that speaks on in eternity. Do you know that the Lord has a name that no one knows yet? Do you guys know that? Even that name will be revealed to us in eternity. We have all the names of God, but he has one written on him that no one even knows its name yet. I'm, I can't wait to find out, you know? Like, what's the great mystery? Have you ever thought about what that name could be? I wonder. I wonder. I have some funny ideas about that. So Jesus had these two disciples, and they come up to Jesus, and they said, Teacher, we want to do whatever you ask. And Jesus says, well, what do you want me to do for you? And look what these men say. Let us sit, one at your right hand, and the other in your left, in your glory. I believe they were young. So they, they spoke from a young heart. They spoke from an immature heart. 
and they said, Jesus, me and my brother, you know, we kind of want to be important in heaven. Can each one of us sit next to you in your throne? Can you imagine asking Jesus that question? I could because I know this heart. And Jesus says to them, you don't know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And then they said something. They said this, we're able, we'll do it. We'll drink your cup. We'll be baptized with your baptism. And Jesus says, all right, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink and the baptism I'm baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right and on my left, it's not mine to give, but it's for those whom it is prepared for. I see this passage differently today. You can't wish for a reward in eternity if you haven't served or if you haven't given for a greater glory than yourself here on earth. And that's the reality of all humankind. If you don't live on this earth for a reason greater than yourself, then how do we expect a great reward in eternity? James and John Your serving and your giving is not for self-recognition. And they were going to learn this, and they did throughout their life. He asks them, are you able to drink the cup I drink, the baptism that I am baptized with? This is about my cup, Jesus says. This is about my baptism, not your cup, James. Not your baptism, John. Will you drink a cup given to you, though you may not like your taste of it, the sourness of it? So that I would have all the glory, will you still drink it? Will you enter a baptism not of pleasure for yourself, but of suffering for death for my glory, James, John? Think about what he's asking them. So I ask you, as my brothers and sisters, and I ask myself, as I ask all of us together, the church, our service, our giving, is it for his baptism? And that's what I end with. It better be for his cup, it needs to be for his baptism. It's for his glory. We don't have to do any of this. How, none of you were forced to be. Maybe one of you was forced to come. <laughs> okay, I'll take that back. Some of you were forced to come. <laughs> but we get to serve the Lord. Tomorrow when you wake up, you don't have to serve him. But you get to serve him. You don't have to read the Bible, but you get to read the Bible. You don't have to worship, but you get to worship You see someone in need, you don't have to give to their need, but you get to give to their need because you are a Christian and this is what you're called to do here on earth. You get to do this. You get to give and you get to give where there is a need. Amen? It's for his cup. It's for his baptism and that's what it's about. Calvin Coolidge says this, no person, no person was ever honored for what he received. He was honored for what he gave. And that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of our lives. Another quote is this by Richard Bronstein. He says, It is possible to give without loving, but it is impossible to love without giving. I want you to keep that in your heart. Man, you could give, 
and you could just give, but there's no love behind your giving. But it is impossible that if you love, you can't help but to give that which you love into. Amen? If you love this house, you give to this house. If you love your neighbor, you give to your neighbor. If you love the soul, the person, you give to that need. And you say, I get to do this because this is what I'm called to do. Guys, this is a value in our church that we believe in giving. Whether it's monetary or whether it's with our talent, it's what we believe that we get to give. Amen? Can you stand with me this morning as we come before the Lord? Lord, as we stand before your presence, we thank you. We thank you because you are good. And I would love to end with this in this prayer. Oh, why is he asking me to give? Because I've asked that question. When I've sat and I've heard someone speak about giving, but then I come to the place to learn of the greatest demonstration of giving was, was by you. We just took the Lord's Supper and we were able to receive that because of your giving and you gave of yourself you gave of all of your body all of your blood it seeped out of you it came out of you your blood was covering the land in which you created your body was put to shame on the cross by the very ones you created and you gave yourself you yourself are a, why should I be a giver? Why should I ever give? Whether it's monetary, whether it's with, my, with what God's blessed me with, my gifts, my time. Why should I give? Because our God himself is a giver. And it's one of his great attributes that he gives graciously. He gives filled with compassion. Thank you, Father, for giving. You gave your son. Thank you, son. Jesus, thank you for giving and being obedient to the Father's will that you laid your life down. And in that giving, you now moved us to be a people that also give. That we could give in the time of need. That we could give when no one sees. That we don't have to publicize. That we don't have to make notice of it but that we would know that all this giving is for your glory. And what you see in the secret, you see it and you reward it. And it's for your glory, Lord. So Lord, this is what we pray, that you would bless every motive, that you would bless every attitude, every heart, that it would all be pure and that our giving would rise, that we would fill the void that we would give, not forcefully, that we would serve because we can, that we would give because we have. So Lord, we thank you and we praise you for this truth today. We honor your name and it's in Jesus Christ we pray. And together we say, amen. Come on, can you give God some praise? So worthy. Hey, this is what I'd like to do. Every eye closed. And we're going to go ahead and just give each other a hug and leave. Maybe you heard about giving. And maybe your first step is this. I heard you just pray. I heard you share everything you say with your eyes closed in your heart. If you feel deep down inside, 
I want to give myself to the Lord. I, I want to start there, just giving myself to the Lord. Can you make that decision right there? Can you make that decision right there in your heart to say, I want to give myself? Because I just heard you speaking about giving, so I want to start right now. Can you open up your heart? And can you say, Lord, I give you of myself. I give you of all of me, Lord. Here it is. Use me. Repent, Lord. If you need to repent, Lord, I repent. Forgive me of my sins. Here I am, Lord. Use me. I give of myself. My family starts to give from this day forward. This man, this woman, we start to give from this day forward. Move us in that. If that's you right there, open up your heart and say, Lord, take all of it. And I would love to have a conversation with you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to fill out a paper. I'm not even going to ask you to come up here and, and receive prayer. Right there, let God touch your heart. He knows your heart. And let it begin to transform you. And I am more than grateful and thankful and willing to have a conversation with you. If you say, today, I said, Lord, I want to give you my life completely. I would love to have that conversation with you. Amen. All right, this is what I would love for you to do. Give someone a hug. Tell them it's so good to see you this Sunday. Have a wonderful rest of the week. Go in his love. Go in his power. Shake them up and say, praise God that we get to give today. Praise God that tomorrow if you get to wake up, you get to give tomorrow. Let's have an awesome week. You are loved. Come on.